Today's episode of Poets at War is sponsored by the following. I'm Ian Wilson, and I create graphic art using primarily traditional methods, supplementing with digital where it's needed. I use a real pen, a real paper, a real graphite to make my art. I like to feel my art. I've always been this way. I love the feeling of a pen or pencil in my hand, the sound of graphite scratching paper, and I love the sight of a nice black line making its way across the page. So why choose traditional art over digital? Traditional art has an organic, natural quality that seems to be missing from most digital illustrations. The illustrated books and comics that were made in the days before digital have an excellence and staying power that is just as vibrant now as it was decades ago. These are the stories that stay with you. Dr. Seuss, Winnie the Pooh, Where the Wild Things Are. People still read these. I'm currently working on my own graphic novel series, Legend of the Swordbearer, and I've also had the privilege to draw graphics for two motion comic series, along with illustrations for a small magazine, Logos Sophia magazine, and various book covers. Don't let traditional art fade into the dust. Help me keep it alive. You won't regret it. Visit my website at ianthomaswilson.com for more info. This time on the show, we speak with author Abigail Falonga about fairy tales and their connections to our world, our hearts, and even the scripture. Join us in the trenches and get ready for more Poets at War! Kind of floated in the same circles on Facebook for quite a while. Yes, indeed. So, this Fellowship of Fairy Dust probably the first that we had interaction. Maybe there, maybe um, the Realm Makers Consortium. I think you're part of there. I think you? I am. I don't do a lot with them, but yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and then also, I have my two meme pages. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, dads that love telling stories and family memes and adventures, and you. Uh, pretty frequently react to those yeah even if i'm not actually following them or a member <laughs> they just show up it's like yeah. okay well whatever they're yeah. funny <laughs> yep exactly so um yeah i've been uh, just because i've been so incredibly busy lately kind of just catching back up on uh what you do it seems you've been you've been writing for a while now yes i thought forever so. mm-hmm. and you're at least it's part of your stuff's published as from by a publisher yeah i've been publishing with um havoc publishing for a, a while now mm-hmm. i think it might be like three years which is wow like, wow it's been a while so that's wonderful yeah. are, now are you drawing some of those characters and things too are you are you uh Yes, no, maybe, kind of. No, I'm not brave enough to draw my characters. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so yes, it, it, well, I, I do for myself, and then I hand it off to Ian because he's amazing. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, well, I, I'm just I'm just interested by everything, all the fox pictures, oh, <laughs> all, yeah. of, all of the hedgehogs and things, the 
the what what your stories are about you know i i kind of like getting into these conversations with people you've probably heard a few of them where i don't know that much about you and i don't do my research on purpose because i feel like hmm. it's more like i meet it's more authentic i'm meeting you in person you know to a certain extent yeah. and uh, like i'm meeting you in person and and kind of just feeling yeah. things out seeing where they go i saw your homeschooled i was homeschooled so we have that weirdness going on for us <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh yeah so i i guess i could introduce myself but you probably listen i know you've been listening to a few so i don't know how much you know about me but i could introduce myself if you want or you can and we can just go from there hmm. okay well um how about you go first and sure yeah well i uh i'm from georgia um i grew up around the atlanta area and i'm in augusta now um, I am a, a self-proclaimed bard, uh, and I do poetry and music and things of that nature. Um, but I do serial narrative poetry as my forte. Um, mm-hmm. so epic poetry and that sort of a thing. And cool. I, I both write and read and perform characters and do voice acting and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So narrative arts are really where it's at for me. Um, but in poetic form, I think that is partially due to my love of musicals and things of that nature mm-hmm. and all the things back, to, uh, everything back to the most um, pretentious Edda or Beowulf or whatever, like <laughs> everything in between all the way up to the cheapest Disney knockoff. That's just, that. that's it for me, you know, storytelling and rhyme and meter and everything else. So oh, yeah, um, that's really what I'm into. So that's cool. Yeah. So I see that you have a keyboard and a guitar. Do you I do. Play any, do you play any other instruments? Studio style, yes, where I just pluck it out and fail a million <laughs> times and then sequence it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I am fairly proficient at Tim Whistle. I have a um, back mm. over here. There is a um, the top of a CD spindle that I've screwed into the wall where I put all of my tin whistles. So um, I play uh, all, diff- all different kinds of uh, whistles. And uh, I think there's, you may not be able to see it from where the camera angle is, but I have a pan flute up there somewhere, you know, just other things oh, nice. of that nature. So um, I tend to be in that realm. I also have, I can move a little bit there. You can see right here, there is a MIDI bagpipe-like thing so that I can play uh, electronically bagpipe music. So, um, and the fingering is in the style of tin whistles. So I didn't even have to Mm. learn another instrument. (laughs) Okay. I was wondering about that. I've always wanted to get into bagpiping Mm because bagpipes are cool. They are cool. But um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I feel like I could easily learn to play one because there's only a little bit of difference in the fingering. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the, uh, the other thing is just the coordination of blowing and squeezing and mm-hmm. or if you're doing Ilian, which is what i would really want to do <laughs> you're doing chicken wings so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's a, an interesting thing to watch just yes. watching bagpipers yes absolutely so um you want to introduce yourself okay well i'm um i'm from new mexico mm-hmm. and grew up here my whole life was um I've been telling stories my whole life um, and yeah, starting from 
when my mom assigned me a random story to um, to write a a story based on a picture that I drew mm-hmm. she's like write a story so I did and it got really long so <laughs> and it's like ever since then I've loved writing and um expanding different universes I've always loved telling stories that are fairy tales the form of the fairy tale fascinates me and I love to to apply it to different genres mm-hmm so my primary genre at the moment is fairy tale retellings. So I have one book out, self-published, which is retelling the uh, the Twelve Dancing Princesses, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm working on another one, which is going to be a combination of uh, Snow Queen plus elements of Peter Pan, Ooh. a little bit of um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and yeah, it's. It's awesome. I really like the project, but yeah. It's interesting that you brought that that's your thing and that you brought those up. I've been slowly getting back into my writing process because I've been doing so much um, online performing. You've seen some of the short videos, the the poems and everything, and just trying to get that moving because that's what gets that seems to be the big thing that gets traction. Um, I was working on writing one of my retellings um, of oh, yeah. Thumbelina. Um, I'm doing an epic 50 poem uh, Thumbelina Um, so lyrical poems so they're like about as long as a song so about 50 of them Mm -hmm. um, to give you an idea of the length and um, I was I think you read some of the stuff that I was asking in the brood you're you're one of the few that has been on here that was in the brood but it wasn't like in my first line of people that i did the podcast with you know what i mean so it's kind of cool that i can mention the brood and you know exactly what i'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so it's 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 exciting to hear uh retellings especially when people can either go deeper or or develop the characters deeper or really i think one of my favorite things especially when i when I do it in, in, in poetry is um, taking the emotion of a fairy tale and putting it to lyric. Mm. Uh, that's one of those things that they just marry so amazingly well. And everyone knows it. It's like saying that steak and butter or peanut butter and jelly go really well together, right? Like it's, it's just a really standard flavor, but I feel like it's timeless. People just never get, never get sick of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, that's a really, that's a fun idea doing a lyrical retelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, with my, with um the fairy tale retellings that I've been doing, especially with the book that I did, mm-hmm. it's um which I suppose I should pull it out and say, yes please, plug that book <laughs> all you want, girl. Yeah, <laughs> it's a time of mourning and dancing, and it's a little longer than a novella. It's not that long. Um, but what I had fun doing was um, exploring the story in more depth. Mm. So it's a lot of people have been commenting that it's basically an expansion of the story that's already there, exploring the different characters. The main character is the soldier who um, 
gets roped into investigating what the princesses are hiding and then exploring why the princesses are hiding the secret of dancing. And it's so important to them that they have caused the death of a string of previous princes and soldiers. And like, why? Why is it that important to them? Right. So I had so much fun exploring that and getting into it. And I, I well, I think I'm pleased with how it turned out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's good enough. Oh, hello, sunshine. Hello, sunshine. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> For those listening and not watching, uh, the New Mexico sun is uh, getting low in the West, I believe. So, mm-hmm. um, coming right through the window. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, that that's that's fascinating. Um, one of the first one I did um, was uh, the Little Mermaid, and mm-hmm. I knew I could do it fairly fairly quickly. And and I I was I have a lot of opinions about the Little Mermaid, <laughs> and both the Hans Christian Andersen and the Disney because they're so different and everything else. And I feel like in many ways Hans didn't miss the point obviously he created it but he mm-hmm. underemphasizes the point of the story i find hmm. and i think that disney of course missed it completely you know oh yeah um it, it's one of their worst uh fairy tales that they've ever done as far as an adaptation goes yeah it's terrible i just <laughs> yeah. watched it for the first time <laughs> last year and it's like wow that's awful now now, now i will say they got ariel as a character down really well Mm -hmm. and even though her motivations are all messed up for the story she herself is fantastic jody benson the animation Mm -hmm. the everything about it is it's an extremely beautiful movie it's just the morals are so skewed that it just ruins everything (laughs) and the ending is just spit in the face of everything that's you know dark fairy tale Mm -hmm. um but to me it was never a dark fairy tale either you know i mean a lot of people look at it that way that's what it is on the surface but um talking to someone who loves fairy tales uh i think that the point that hans makes about the mermaid going to heaven is compared to his other works very undersold because <laughs> some of his other stories like little match girl which is a very comparable in the ending um it well i mean he really like lays it on thick in the little match girl right and i, mean, I don't mean to make you cry right now <laughs> <laughs> i will cry that one always makes me cry oh it's so good it really is but so like awful. so i i wanted to take that the point that the mermaid goes to heaven and the fact that I think that he, because he's doing fairy tale in a more traditional sense, he doesn't really get into the desire. And I think that's something Disney actually did well, especially with part of your world. The lyrics to part of your world are fantastic. You know, um, the, the especially um, what's a fire and why does it, what's the word burn? Like mm. that's th- like that sort of yearning and longing is somewhat missing from Hans's motivation for his mermaid um and the intensity of it you know but you don't feel any of that lack of intensity with Ariel you know it's like it's like girl tone it down you know but but yeah I just I really wanted to take it and tell it fairly straightforward have the creepiest um see which you could possibly have 
like really like actual like horror scary and then do what the little match girl did <laughs> in mermaid form and really just kind of show the beauty of what Hans already had there but mm -hmm. yeah I'm saying Hans like I know him oh yeah <laughs> your buddies yeah we kind of are in a way at least on my <laughs> side of things <laughs> but, it's his yeah. own fault for being for dying too early right he well the fact is I'm I'm obsessed with his story his own personal mm -hmm. story too mm -hmm. um a lot of people haven't read his autobiography didn't or some a lot of people don't know he even wrote one um and there's a uh sort of conspiracy theory history channel style documentary that i found on dvd on a website somewhere and saw really good reviews but like they only sell it on dvd like dvd are burned and send it to you in the mail um about his life and the whole premise of their argument is that he was actually bastarded royalty and that was the, um, and he found out later in life, and hmm. that was the impetus for the ugly duckling. Oh, interesting idea. Yeah, and they they have some really good evidence to back it up. You know, of course, it's still kind of History Channel conspiracy theory, whatever, and mm -hmm. could totally not be true. But the fact, the, the biggest, the biggest linchpin in the argument was basically, he gets this patron absolutely out of nowhere that basically takes care of him his whole life, and it's like this prince of De denmark kind of thing you know and it's like why in the world would that happen this guy wasn't like the big big patron of the arts he just finds this obscure children's writer and failed opera singer that blew his voice out and is like oh yeah i'll take care of you the rest of hmm. your life <laughs> yeah. so yeah but anyway i don't know <laughs> yeah he's an interesting writer i haven't um I haven't read everything of his, but um, I don't know. I've been, well, obviously I'm working on a Snow Queen retelling. That story is amazing. Yes, it is. I mean, you know, speaking as somebody who's loved fairy tales my whole life, um, I haven't actually read that many mm -hmm. until recently. Yeah. It's just the form that um, is most natural to me. So I'm discovering these stories like the Snow Queen which is incredible mm -hmm. and it's yeah it's very interesting to have the um to analyze these stories and how they're put together and like the marsh king's daughter that's another one that's really fabulous mm -hmm. and i haven't read that much about his history except for like the little snippets that they have like at the beginning of books mm -hmm. so it's and of course that's not enough interesting writer yeah yeah do you have a um obviously there's a lot of unknown fairy tales but they come from a certain region and have a certain flavor to them that mm. sort of a thing is have you found yet that you have a favorite either region slash time period or author in the fairy tale genre you know classical fairy tale genre that really sticks out to you hans is one of the big ones for me even though he's kind of late in the game yeah <laughs> um but well, going uh, even later like george mcdonald oh yeah he's definitely yeah. a favorite but you know yeah you know. he 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 can get weird but i really like him he's <laughs> he's a he's a fascinating guy and he and Bo hans both um they both were universalists in the sense that they could not imagine god sending anyone to hell yeah and that was that's an interesting thing that led to some very interesting 
ideas in their work. Yeah, it makes some of the stories have an interesting twist. Still enjoyable, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So with the yeah, um, yeah it's uh, so regionally speaking, some of my favorite fairy tales are probably more the. Um, I don't know. I really like the um, like the Arabian Nights style fairy tales. Yeah, it's interesting. Those are really a nice format. Are you talking about the 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 uh, the the framing story with Shahrazad? Uh, well, I love Shahrazad, but um, no, I mean like the um, just that region, that that kind of story. Yeah. It does. It's a good form. Yeah. And um, yeah, but mostly just good old classic grim and. Grim Brothers, Grim Brothers Incorporated, yeah, producing fairy tales to United Kingdom. Yes, yeah. Um, there was a there's a um storyteller. He does audio storytelling and some audio audiobook readings and things, kind of like I do. Um, but he was he's been around a long time. You might know him because of the homeschool community. Jim Weiss. Does that sound familiar or no? Vaguely familiar. Vaguely I'm familiar. Sure. Yeah. yeah, he's been around since the, the late 80s, I believe, um, doing stuff. And he's um, he's really cool. He was kind of a mentor to me in my late teens, early 20s for storytelling and things of that nature. And um, he's still doing a, thing, a few things here and there. But he actually has an album where he kind of took the Jadazad story, the, the framing story anyway. And it's, it's kind of funny how, how he did it because it's not like just a, like a beginning and end. It has the, the middle, you know, interludes yeah. like, like Shahadazad, but he took a bunch of disparate Celtic stories and tied them together with the idea that uh, an old Druid who's on his last legs in his last few years of life is going on a walk with Patrick and some of his buddies in order to tell them these stories so they can write them down and preserve them. Hmm. And Oh, some of Patrick's buddies are like, like, get to the point already. We need to write this down. Daylight's going, you know? And Patrick's like, no, just let him tell the story. And he's like, yeah, what's wrong with you guys? Like, <laughs> stop rushing me, you know? But it's it it some, it some really good stuff. And I'm a huge, I mean, I don't know anyone who actually knows any Celtic mythology that doesn't love it. Mm. It's It's so disparate and foreign and... To, and anything that's Gaelic that's you know of the Gauls mm. it was so utterly different and foreign from anything that came through the Frankish Empire and you know everything that came around from, from that period to what we think of as most of Western Europe now um, it's yeah. so different and so strange and so bizarre at times yeah. um it's even yeah. from like Norse mythology and yeah. Norse stories. It's Norse just, it is a little own... bit closer to us because yeah. the Vikings conquered people and you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but like, yeah. But... Yeah. Once one thing that's really interesting um, as far as folklore goes is that I found the same story, but like with different twists Yes. in a, um, I can't pull it up off the top of my head. So uh, in a book of Irish folk stories Mm -hmm. and in a book of New Mexican folk stories where I'm from. And it's so cool because you're like, oh, wow. So, I mean, it's interesting because um, Mexico had a lot of Irish immigrants. Mm -hmm. So they brought these stories in and different flavor. 
Oh yeah. The Irish version is playful. Mm -hmm. The Mexican version is really dark. Yeah. It's so fascinating to see how that works. There's so much Scots Irish heritage in particular in the South where I, well, I mean, you're South, but you know what I mean? When I say South, I mean Southeast, but most people know that, but um, the, the, uh, the thing with the Scots Irish heritage um, and everything, particularly in the coastal uh, Southern states, the Carolinas and Georgia and um, some of North Florida and, and then up into the mountains into Tennessee and, you know, Kentucky and all that. Um, The Appalachian, you know, stuff. Uh, It's a lot of people don't know. And this is really crazy stuff. And yeah, there's folklore to it and there's things to be questioned. But um, one, one, one example, uh, there is a, um, there are multiple European ruins in the European style ruins uh, in the uh, Appalachian mountains of castles, basically like ruins Mm. of castles. And there is proof now this is actual proof during the around 1100s or so there were welsh people i believe it was 1100s welsh people that migrated in um when they were driven out by the saxons and all kinds of other stuff going on and so there were actual welsh settlements and that's one of the reasons why um rogers is one of the most common cherokee surnames um and uh there's other ones like murdoch and maddock and maddox and things of that nature Um, But then also uh, West Virginia, um, there is a cave and it's one of these things that's on private land and they don't really let people back there very often. Um, They have uh, almost hieroglyphic style carvings in it. And for centuries, people thought it was just, you know, whatever old Native American tribe. And it's not fully been confirmed by any stretch, but there's a... um, amateur hobbyist but he's a learned guy he's like a uh uh, not just a dentist but like the next level academically you know of of dentist and so he he knows something and he's a hobbyist when it comes to gaelic and things of that nature and sort of a renaissance man and he went in and he said he believes that the uh, christmas story is actually written in gaelic on the walls whoa and if that is the case, the obvious answer would be St. Brendan during the time of Patrick and everything else sailing over on his coracle, you know, to the Cherokee and preaching to them because there's records of him doing such a thing. Huh. We just don't know where he landed. He talked to some natives. He came back, whatever. Right. <laughs> and so the other thing is, um, and this is I've, I've heard differing thoughts on this uh whether it happened or didn't but apparently this guy this dentist guy supposedly came back on christmas and looked and there was light shining through slits in the rock illuminating the text and that's totally like (laughs) indicative of Hmm. very early irish uh you know architecture ideas you know etc etc so um take that for what you will you can research it and find out there's very few pages that talk about it on the internet but if you look it up far enough you'll find it but yeah it's like we sit here and we act like the dark ages were really dark (laughs) 
they weren't yeah. at all. No. Everybody talked with everybody as just as they always have all over the world. There were always yeah. merchants trying to go a little further, trying to see if they could sell uh-huh. their wares, making ties, making connections. It's just that we have such a uh, the, the, the people who wrote history for so long and to a certain extent still do with public schools and things of that nature, they they uh, completely Eurocentric, uh, they, they, they take, they centralize it European style, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. everything is basically if it didn't happen from the Frankish empire, like it didn't really yeah. exist, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, looking at other perspectives might give you a different idea, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Middle Ages were not so backwards as you think. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, no <laughs> kidding. And like even with, and I, I'm not going to go too too thoroughly deep into this because you know, whatever controversy this that or the other. But my uh, pastor had friends. Uh, he is he is seventy five ish around there not my pastor currently my pastor that I grew up with right back 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 home um he's still preaching and he um is just a remarkable man and he actually knew some people when he was a young man um who were slaves during the civil war who were white slaves Mm -hmm. and um their whole situation uh, financially, uh, they told them stories about how their 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 financial situation, particularly because they weren't black, <laughs> how how quickly they were just dropped by society, and how they were just you know basically told to fend for themselves and <laughs> what was a, a minor famine you know during the time in their particular area, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And wow. um, yeah, it was <laughs> like people don't talk about that kind of stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> it's 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 so so crazy and um yeah go ahead the people who fall through the cracks yeah there's a lot of that Mm -hmm. i just got an idea for a new book Mm -hmm. now sorry i was just thinking about the dark ages Mm -hmm. and specifically the dark ages refers to that time you know when after the fall of the roman empire Mm -hmm. when everything sort of collapsed that's post-apocalyptic oh it is that would be so cool, like doing a post-apocalyptic book and then having it sort of suddenly emerge as an Arthurian retelling. Yeah. That could be cool. And, and you know, another another place that's a really amazing apocalypse, way better than the one we're having now. <laughs> like way, way, <laughs> way better, just saying. Because I mean, we're, we're talking thousands of miles away from one another and people act like, you know, we're the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket because of it. And I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm post-millennial. I believe things are ultimately getting better no matter what collapses. But um, that's just something I believe is it taught in the Bible. We can get into that if you want. But the point that I'm trying to make is um, the fall of the Holy Land uh, during the Frankish Empire, you know, leading up to what? The Black Plague. Hmm. Like nobody thinks about that. You basically had the Holy Land as our ver- like their version of Florida to us. You know what I'm saying? It was the, it was the big tourist yeah. destination that everyone would go to. That's why the Templars were created to create safe roads that people could yeah. go have their vacations, have their pilgrimages, right? And then they lost that. They lost all of the money and all of the trade and everything else that came with it. And the you know hundreds of men and the entire culture of 
European mixed with Arab people, you know, basically either moved north into the Baltic or disappeared altogether. And then you have the, like the black plague on the heels of all of that and everything just collapsing. And I'm sitting here going, Christendom was dead. Yeah. And God resurrected it. Imagine that he's pretty good at resurrecting things. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Working through his church. Yeah, exactly. No matter what weird things the church does. Exactly. No matter how much it splinters. Yeah. He draws with the crooked sticks. Mm -hmm. And makes, yeah. And makes his will known. Yep. Yeah. But I tell you what, it's, it's, oh, that's, that's just one of those things that, you know, I was researching because I'm writing a story during that period and um, mm-hmm. tying it into my superhero world of all things uh, eh. years and years later, but you know, yeah, 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 exactly. You know how this goes. <laughs> I was looking on your, on your page and I saw that you were talking about Beauty and the Beast. Are you still writing that or is that finished or where are we at? Yes, I'm working on my Beauty and the Beast story and uh, it's for an anthology. It's going to mm-hmm. probably be over 10,000 words, so it's not the longest, mm-hmm. but yeah, so that's going to be fun. It's yeah. a, um, I already have a, the beginning. It's a combination Snow White, hmm. Little Red Riding Hood, Beauty and the Beast hmm. retelling. Fascinating. So, kind of beginning with Snow White and the, um, her stepmother, who I wrote her story. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love her character. She's one of my favorites. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she sends her stepdaughter off, and her stepdaughter encounters wolves. Mm-hmm. So you have the uh, Little Red Riding Hood element going on. Yeah. And she takes refuge in, well, I forgot, there is a Goldilocks element. Yeah, so she takes refuge in a castle, and it turns out the castle is inhabited by vampires. Ooh. And so it turns into this Beauty and the Beast, except that, yeah, so... Yeah, and then a little bit um, the um, the huntsman who is sent to pursue her and who slays the uh, wolves like in Little Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. And he turns out to be involved in the Beauty and the Beast aspect. And that's going to be fun. That does sound fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to be doing Beauty and the Beast after Thumbelina, but I probably going to be doing twice that like a hundred epic novel a hundred <laughs> yeah. lyric epic novel um but basically like that's my second well the 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 original disney film is my second favorite standalone movie of all time mm. right behind it is really yeah, good yeah it is well you think of someone who loves lyrics like that's oh. howard ashman's yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. his 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 literal and absolute swan song. It's just I know he did a little bit on Aladdin before he died, but like the the his his lyrical work in Beauty and the Beast was impeccable. Um, mm-hmm. But the uh, that one's intimidating to me because I love the story so much. Yeah, and it's not, the, and I'm really trying hard not to do the standard French story nor the Disney story because there are so many variations yeah there's the the one that I'm pulling from the most is actually the Irish variation that is actually gender swapped to a certain extent 
um arian rod you know about arian rod or no um not off the top of my head okay well but ba- basic story um uh and and people could be interested in this particularly because it's it's a beauty and the beast sort of story but it's mm-hmm. it's gender swapped it's it's irish thing it's all really cool stuff but basically you have um i believe it's two brothers there's obviously variations you know it's because it's such an old story but they go into the woods and um they're hunting and they come across uh this knight that go- starts attacking them one of the brothers is trying to protect and call out and thinks this guy's just hunting and he's generally just being kind about the whole thing. And his brother just immediately slays the guy. And then this old hag comes out of the woods and basically says, you killed my husband. Now one of you has to be my husband because I'm going to die without you. And basically uh the the one who killed him said peace out i'm gone you know whatever he's like i'm, I'm done I ain't, i'm out of here and um he gets cursed and it's a whole thing but that, other than that <laughs> the 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 one who stays unbelievably disgustedly reluctantly agrees and they have the absolute most uh horrendous natural wedding if you know what i'm saying um and because law of nature this is out in the woods somewhere um and uh he just you know is completely disgusted and 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 vomitous by the experience like just really really bad and he wakes up the next morning after having passed out just from pure disgust um and he wakes up next to the most beautiful woman who has ever existed Hmm. and he's like where'd the old hag go she's like you have redeemed me Hmm. right you have stepped in where another had caused the problem you you so so and and the crazy thing is this is all pre-christ but we totally have Mm -hmm. adam and jesus Mm. right yeah (laughs) you know it's not perfect of course but we totally have that we totally have the idea of the one who messed it all up, the brother, and then the brother who stayed and redeemed. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that idea is just crazy to me. And there's a whole bunch more stories with them because they end up, you know, ruling this kingdom and (laughs) whatever else, but like, that's such a crazy idea to me. And I don't want to do a gender swap version, but I want to add some kind of element of that story. I really want to just lean hard into not just not what's on the cover of the book is what's inside blah 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 but really delve into what true ugliness is yeah and what true beauty really is and how the inner beauty comes out and the outer uh wretchedness goes in you know um and and how these how these things work you know and and stuff like that so yeah anyway uh, i i just i wanted to throw that to you because of you asking for thoughts on beauty and the beast yeah (laughs) yeah um, it is one of my favorite fairy tales overall yeah and of course i mean growing up with uh, the original disney version is one of the it's like it is a a really stunning film Mm -hmm. and 
yeah i rewatched it recently and it's like wow well that's good um, yeah i have um i i did another beauty and the beast retelling all worthy mm-hmm. which uh, released in an anthology last year which was a little bit more traditional mm-hmm. like the uh, classic french version mm-hmm. and i have another one planned because that is a story that has so much depth mm-hmm. and so many different angles that you can go into but i like yeah the heart of it uh, of exploring what true beauty is like you were saying yeah what makes somebody monstrous and right. ugly yeah right. not just not just ugly but monstrous and the tragedy of monstrousness yeah you know? Yeah, exactly. Like the curse. The curse is a huge tragedy. And yep. one of my theories um, as a fairy tale teller mm-hmm. is that curses always curse more than just the person who's cursed. Yeah. They always affect everybody around them and everything around them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with Sleeping Beauty, it's not just her who falls into an endless sleep, it's also her whole kingdom. And they get oppressed by thorns and briars Mm. and it's fascinating how that affects everything yeah so with the um you know with with beauty and the beast you can you know classic style you see how his beastliness makes the rest of his people beastly disney's done yeah go ahead go ahead sorry which is just it's an interesting exploration of that and i'm yeah i'm still trying to figure out how i want to explore that for my own story yeah disney's done this one time where they did it right exactly (laughs) what you're talking about and a lot of people miss it entangled Mm -hmm. where like okay so a lot of people talk about tearing up when they do the actual song i see the light a lot of people talk about tearing up when they see the dad tear up and yeah i'm a dad i get it but like um you know because he's he's just been gone for so long or she's been gone for so long and he tears up right before they're about to have this big ceremony and whatever and the mom's there with him and comforting him and but the thing that always 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 gets me is when i see thousands of peasants lifting up their lantern in hopes that they will one day see their princess again yeah that just blows my mind that is fealty to the you know representative head family of this kingdom and 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 it's not just them it's their office it's everything that they represent for the people it's like like disney nailed it on that one yeah it's like she's more than just the um the celebrity right she's the what is it um until we have faces yes yes right yes. at the end there's the uh, priest writing the um uh, the end note mm-hmm. and he says something like you know she was our shield yep and i love that concept mm-hmm. the um you know this is you know like royalty or well, um, the prince in a broad sense mm-hmm. as the shield protecting the people from harm and mm-hmm. 
leading the way. I love that concept and yeah, and having the um, entangled where they're like, you know, she's gone. She's the heir. Yeah. There's nobody else. There's the king and the queen and they only have one daughter and she's gone. Yep. And someday, hopefully, she'll come back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just just incredible. Um the let's see, let's see. The one other there was one other thing I really wanted to get into. Um let me see if I can remember got so off track there but i love it i love these add conversations that i tend to have with people because there's just so much perfect you know yeah um especially with things like fairy tales and it's very obvious Mm -hmm. that you're extremely passionate about it i am too i'm equally as passionate about um more traditional fantasy and sci-fi and superheroes and whatever else so i'm all over the place but like fairy tales get me started and i can go on about superheroes there you go (laughs) but uh (laughs) but yeah like i think oh i remember now so especially after listening to some folks like joseph campbell you know hero with a thousand faces um that sort of a thing i don't know if you've ever read that book but i'm sure you've heard of it hero's journey you know etc a lot of writers do i get it mixed Um, up with the other campbell but um yeah i know who he is yes yeah yeah yeah. um listening to some audio from him because there's some stuff on audible that's like old interviews with him and whatever and it's very possible actually that he became at least you know uh, a catholic christian uh before he passed away um, he, he, he at least had a, a leading back to the Catholic church, um, which was interesting. Uh, a lot of people don't know about it, but he was a sort of universalist, um, um, he, he is sort of like Jordan Peterson was slash is now, you know, he has oh. this, this sort of like, you know, idea that there's these platonic forms they exist, you know, and they, they, they repeat throughout history and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Hebrews in the Bible has something to say about types and shadows, just saying. <laughs> this has a lot of stuff to say about types and shadows. So my belief is that the whole idea of the hero's journey, the idea of these repeating forms and stuff that we see in places that may or may not have had any actual contact over the centuries but yet they have the same stories and all these Mm -hmm. other sorts of things you can really actually tie that back to the oral traditions of the word of god um and one of the biggest ways that i like to show that to people is one of the absolute most ubiquitous fairy tales across all cultures and that is cinderella Hmm, yeah cinderella exists in every culture Mm -hmm. like as far back as we can check yeah you know there's there's versions that we know when they came out but the story itself has lasted way before that Mm -hmm. i have a theory particularly about cinderella and i'm not saying that this thoroughly proves my big broad theory but it gives it's my best uh uh it's my first argument (laughs) my first volley you know um and that is that cinderella is ruth hmm you got a yeah. we got a redeemer character. We've got uh, the situation with a mother-in-law character. There's good in one and bad in the other, but there's other versions where she's good, yeah. you know, whatever. We have intervention via angels, godmother, that sort of a thing. Uh, we have um, other 
family intrigue who's gonna marry you know all that other kind of stuff there's versions of it that have more of that than the french version and here's the thing that really clinches it we even have some weird connection to a foot thing (laughs) we have we have the slipper and then we have her slaying at his feet yeah right and so like there's so 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 many things that connect ruth to cinderella it's like yeah I mean, she's literally in the line of Jesus. This story would have gone everywhere, you know? Yeah. And we don't know who wrote the book of Ruth, really. So it's like... Yeah, some royal official in David's court, I always thought. Yeah, either that or, you know, Solomon or someone in that whole Mm -hmm. situation. Because, like, I don't know if you know this, but the the earliest manuscripts we have, there's a different sequence of books than the Mm -hmm. sequence that we get in either the protestant bible or the catholic bible um and the one of the biggest one of the biggest reasons for that is organizing books according to their genre because we're obsessed thinking that we can make it somehow better by organizing it in some gnostic way as opposed to a narrative way but um (laughs) the uh the book that comes after proverbs proverbs ends with the proverbs 31 woman the book that comes after proverbs is ruth interesting cool yeah so so. it's like here is the ideal woman and here's an example exactly yeah (laughs) so that's that's just another thing about that but yeah i just i have i have so much where i'm tying the themes of scripture into the fairy tales that i write um and obviously we're christians that's what we do but like (laughs) yeah even more than that there's certain like thumbelina what i'm doing now with her um the whole idea of uh, being small, obviously, is a huge thing, you know, in scripture, like one person against the world, um, mm-hmm. being kind of thrown into crazy political situations and expected to deal with it like Esther. Um, and then uh, one of the biggest things, though, for me is, um, I don't want to spoil anything in particular, but the, 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 basically the idea, of, have you seen the Don Bluth film or no? Of what? Thumbelina. Of Thumbelina. No, I haven't. Okay. Um, Where'd it go? It's good. There it is. Um, It's good. It's not great. It has a lot of flaws, you know, whatever. I've seen art. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Don Bluth. He's, he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, Land Before Time and, and, uh, and, and uh, American Tale and all those, all those films. But um, the, the, the my favorite part of that movie not really a spoiler because it's been out since like 94 or something um they she believes because she's been told by a lot of people and seen some evidence that her prince is frozen solid and dead Hmm. and he was frozen and solid and dead because he was looking for her she got lost well there's this overly optimistic ridiculous french swallow that's annoying as i'll get out in their version but anyway he's her he's her buddy friend and he flies in and tells her no 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 he's alive he's alive he's alive right and he's like she's like we gotta face facts like he's he's gone what what are you doing this make like stop rubbing my face in it (laughs) and he takes her out to this this place and it was the place that she was supposed to meet him like while ago weeks ago and she the 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 swallow starts saying uh, like say telling her to sing 
because he'll hear her and he'll come. And he has her singing the love theme that they had between each other. They had their little, you know, magic love moment. And he's like trying to get her to sing and he's like singing parts and he's like, go ahead, come on, <laughs> sing along. And, and uh, she's just annoyed by it. And she starts singing and she's like, oh, what the heck? I'll belt it out and show him, show him that he's wrong, you know, whatever. And this, 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 this says, let me be your wings. Let me lift you high above. Everything we're dreaming of will soon be ours anything that you desire, anything at all. Every day I'll take you higher. And she's just singing it and belting it. And it's Jody Benson. It's Ariel, you know, she's, she's mm -hmm. belting it. And then the last line, and I'll never let you fall. The prince comes in and belts it out and there's shining light behind him. And she runs into his arms. And she then, you know, hugs, kisses him, immediately sprouts her fairy wings and they ride off together and it's one of the most glorious pictures of christ in the tomb um yeah you know what i'm saying the, the prince the king returning to redeem you and make you what you were meant to be a fairy mm. all along she was a fairy she she just didn't have her wings right mm. all the time we were humans we were not just not just humans but walking in the garden with god humans yeah right yeah <laughs> and we got our wings you know what i'm yeah. saying like you see what i'm saying so like yeah. that's those are the two big things i'm trying to be emphasizing in my thumbelina so i love it that yeah. sounds cool yeah so anyway we can start wrapping up where can people find your stuff and if you want to stay on after i wrap things completely that's fine we can talk for a minute um but where can people find your stuff because i want people to be reading more fairy tales and i need to mm -hmm. give them places to look for them let's go yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you can find my book a time of morning and dancing on amazon and um i i come out with fairy tales in various places i um your other stuff too i'm interested in so yeah anthologies uh i just did a steampunk ninja frog prince retelling <laughs> love, it. love it yes yes that one's in the um the gunbate anthology that just came out it's mm -hmm. inspired by they're all inspired by anime and manga even though i don't read anime and manga but i do <laughs> fairy tales so <laughs> but the uh yeah that one was fun so that one is um that one's available and I have lots of stories on Havoc. Quite a few of them are retellings. Mm -hmm. And I have yet to do a Cinderella retelling that I love, mm -hmm. but it is one of my favorites. Lean into Ruth. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, That's what resonates. I love that idea. That's <laughs> I, ha I have a Ruth retelling. Oh, really? And it's not published yet, mm -hmm. but I love this idea of incorporating some Cinderella aspects so it's a um it's a mermaid story so mm. i'm going to i think i'm going to polish that up with some cinderella yeah elements added oh, that's in that's exciting yeah yeah that could be fun so, i can tell you got the wheels turning after this oh, yeah. conversation <laughs> it doesn't take much <laughs> oh i know <laughs> it's like yeah, I, I, so. got, I definitely now have one thing to tell you after we finish, but okay. <laughs> we'll get to that anyway um everyone remember be your family's bard 
excuse me, let's try that again. Be your family's bard. Do not turn to the right or to the left. I'm not editing this. And the Lord will be with you wherever you go. We'll see you next time in the trenches on Poets at War. God of song, said the warrior bard, though all the world betray thee one sword, at least thy right shall guard one faithful harp shall free.